0: Welcome back to the third episode of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent in which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description where you can skip to a section called Final Thoughts, which will be spoiler-free where I get my overall opinion of the series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So with that out of the way, let's deep dive into The Rising of the Shield Hero, released in early 2019 by studio Kenema Citrus. Its first season has 25 episodes, and it has both a sub and a dub. I originally watched this in dub, but I have seen quite a few parts in sub as well. Looking back, I would give the edge to sub being better, though the dub is good. In fact, voice actor Billy Kamitz won Crunchyroll's Best Voice Actor award for his portrayal of Naofumi. I initially discovered this series by recommendation, from my friend Kaylee Kale, who told me he was four episodes in and the main character just could relentlessly gets shit on, and that was all I needed to hear to get me interested. The story follows Naofumi Iwatani, a college student who, while reading a book in the library titled The Records of the Four Cardinal Weapons, is suddenly summoned to another world, becoming one of the heroes described in the book. Naofumi is gifted the shield, appearing to be the weakest of the heroes, as he has no offensive capabilities. Nalfami, along with three other heroes, Spear, Sword, and Bow, who were all summoned from different universes than Naofumi, are tasked with defending the kingdom of Melremark from catastrophic disasters known as the Waves. Straight off the bat we see the shield hero is not only considered the weakest of all the heroes, but he's the least respected, shown by the king not initially allowing Naofumi to introduce himself, and when not one party member chooses to join him. If only it stayed that way, this story may have had a completely different direction. A female adventurer, Mine, decides to switch to Nalphemy's group, which becomes the single most worst thing that could ever happen to him. She manipulates him into buying all new gear, then strong arms him into buying food and drinks and accommodations at a nice inn. Then during the night she robs him of his clothes, money, and has the royal guards arrest him and take him back to the castle, where she then falsely accuses him of forcing himself on her. It is then revealed that Princess Mine is actually the daughter of the king and had intentions to destroy Nafumi's reputation from the very beginning. Not only do the other heroes turn their back on Nafumi, but word spreads quickly through the towns, having the population shun him and eventually giving him the name the Devil of the Shield. I thought it was very interesting for the creators to have put this as a plotline. False accusations are a complex issue with serious real-world consequences, so to take such a risque subject and place it into the story was just one of the deep topics this show addresses. I remember at the time some people were upset by this, inferring the show was dismissing or belittling the claims of sexual assault victims, especially as the Me Too movement was coming into the height of its media coverage at this time. You can still find articles about this online. I didn't think the show was trying to attack the movement. I feel it was just a product of bad timing. The show happened to release when all these big cases were coming out, so... I don't think it was trying to mock or make fun of the movement. The show also deals with classism in the world, the way the lords of the land excessively tax their people who already struggle to get by, the way the royal knights use fire magic to destroy the wave enemies, not really considering if the villagers had evacuated the town of loot first or not. The town folks are certainly looked down upon in this world. There's human trafficking and racism shown towards the demihumans. They suffer unjust treatment and even have elements of segregation as demonstrated by signs on restaurants refusing to serve demihumans, Not that Naofumi pays attention to those, which I find really funny. The show does a great job of showing just how awful of a world this is for the common people, and Naofumi feels the full brunt of just how terrible this new world is. Broken, being unable to wield a weapon other than the shield, Naofumi looks for alternative ways to make money and fight. This leads him to buying a sick demi-human named Raftalia as a slave. Naofumi now being so untrusting, he has a slave crest as insurance that he won't be betrayed by his new fighter. Nalfami gives Ratalia some tough training, forcing her to kill a rabbit and destroy the dog monster reminiscent of the one that killed her parents. Breaking through this mental anguish pushes her to become stronger. Even though Nalfami has become cynical and jaded, through Raphtalia we still see glimpses of a good person, like when he buys her a ball to play with after training and soothing her when she has nightmares. Raphtalia grows quickly into a young warrior. I actually had to ask my boy Kaylee Kale why she grew. The show kind of explains it later, but he told me that demi-humans with love and experience adapt and grow at an accelerated rate, which I thought was cool because having a 10-year-old fight dragons would have been hard to fathom. Our next party member is Philo, who's a candidate to become the queen of the Philolials. She has the ability to change from her bird form to that of an adorable child, and I appreciate her as a little sister character. Her dynamic with Raftalia is hilarious. The two of them constantly competing for Nalfami's affection makes for some of the more fun moments in the series especially Philo, calling out Raftalia trying to get a kiss from Naofumi. Philo is also a power host with great strength and speed and an appetite to match. Princess Melty, the younger sister of mine, in all honesty, I don't like her as a party member. She's fine as a character, but all she brings to the group are problems and doesn't contribute much of anything. Raftalia is a badass swordswoman and emotional support for Naofumi. She's the one who can take him back from the curse shield and the rage shield. She has light and dark magic that is shown to help in many different ways in battle. Velo's scrappy, powerful as hell. She uses wind magic. And as dumb as this sounds, she's a great mode of transportation. Whether the party members ride on her back or she's pulling the wagon. Melty uses water magic, which never really was helpful in the battle. It was never a deciding factor. And the one time she actually saves people in the final battle, she immediately gets taken hostage. And Lark has to save her. She does a terrible job of attempting to bridge peace between Nafumi and the royal family. Her solution is just get over it without knowing what happened. And then she gets used as a pawn and makes it so it appears Naofumi kidnapped her. Which leads to me being attacked, makes travel more difficult, starts a forest fire, and leads to the lord that shelters them being beaten. I just find her useless as a party member. Then we have the other three idiot heroes. I know their names, but I'm just going to stick with spear, sword, and Bow because I don't respect them enough to address them properly. These three clowns are supposed to be heroes, yet they are so easily manipulated at certain points, it's laughable. The spirit goof is the worst, blindly believing whatever Mine tells him. He tries to save Raftalia from naofemy, not understanding what a slave crest actually is, like it's not mind control. And even when Mine is forced to tell the truth during her preliminary hearing, and she's the victim of the slave crest, the half-wit still isn't fully convinced that she's a bad person. Then his creepy pedo behavior towards Philo. My guy, she is a child, you weirdo. So watching him get kicked into the stratosphere never gets old for me, it was always enjoyable. He has no regard for his own actions, ignoring the warning not to use the seed, and it infests an entire village. The guy's just top tier trash. I first had hope for the other two fools. They called out mine, cheating during Naofumi and Spear Goof's duel. And certain times it appears that they're thinking for themselves and willing to give Naofumi the benefit of the doubt and then they just revert back to being mindless goons. As well, the sword tool left the rotten corpse of the dragon to poison villagers, and the bow dummy overthrows a governing body, leaving an opening for a worse leader to take power and further oppress the people in that district. Naofumi not only had to clean up all of their mistakes, but he had to save them in every damn battle. By the end of the season, they were so trash that even if their level was higher than Naofumi, he was stronger. And I actually enjoy how the show went about doing this. It mentions it's because he grinded And I might be a little bit off on this, but the way I saw it was the three other trash bags leveled up the way I do in video games, so I can't really fault them for it, which is go out and kill monsters, then dump all your experience points into strength and combat skills. As we know, that really isn't an option for now for me. So he begins foraging plants in the wild, building up that branch of his skill tree. Then he learns to turn those ingredients into all assortments of potions, so he grows the alchemy branch of his skill tree. Then through mining raw materials and getting jewels, which we see he crafts into the bracelet for Raftalia, the hair clip for Philo to boost up their stats. So that kind of like builds that part of the skill tree. And then he gains his combat experience through Raftalia and Philo. Because he uses all these different methods to level up, he not only had creative ways to make money, but it made him more well-rounded, unlocking so many more powerful techniques. So much so that the other Goofs thought he had a cheat shield just because these morons couldn't figure out how to get better upgrades. All the video game elements in this show and all the different abilities were definitely a highlight of the series. I really liked the creativity of how they would use the airstrike shield. Uh, shield prism was another one they used in a lot of interesting ways as well. How they would also do like combo attacks like Philo jumping off airstrike shields. or It was, it was fantastic how they used the powers in this show. If I had to give some positivity to the three heroes, I enjoy their character design. Their armor is cool and they each have their own little color scheme. And that's about it. I like their armor. The series also handled revenge in one way I really enjoyed, and the other could have been done so much better. So after seeing everything that happened to Raftalia after her parents died, it's it's truly heartbreaking. So when she gets her badass moment of walking through all the all the whip strikes, and before the pompous ass falls out the window, that was awesome. That was a great story, it showed her pain, and then she gets her revenge. Now, now for me on the other hand, he deserves so much better payback than what he got. Now I understand not killing the king in mind, But just letting them get off with the punishment of having, like, being called dumb names was so cheap. What should have happened is they should have got tossed in the dungeon. This would have stopped dumb story moments later like mine trying to poison the food. Like, all that crap. They wouldn't have to worry about any of that. What they should have done is put them in the prison. Don't mention them for the rest of the season. Don't mention them in Season 2. Then, in Season 3, have something where it's like... Oh, we have to get this item, but only the king has the information on how to get it. So now Fumi has to put his pride aside... Go down, talk to the king, and the king only agrees to help them if him and mine get out of jail. That way you can have them be frenemies, maybe explain why the king hates the shield hero, which is explained in the manga, but they didn't really get into it in the show, and then have like a little mini redemption story for them later. That would have been so much better than just, Hey everyone, these people completely ruined my life. Let's call them mean names. As far as music, the score, it was alright. It didn't get me hyped during any point of the show. The opening track... It's catchy, but I'm not putting it on the playlist. If it came on, I'd probably skip over it if I'm being completely honest. As far as animation, it was great. There was no scenes that were done poorly that I can recall. Certain scenes like the T-Rex monster really stood out as computer generated. But then other times, like in the first wave, when the zombie knights were coming at them, it was blended in a lot better into the scene and a lot less noticeable. So there was there was some good and bad moments. As far as fight scenes, I think the best fighting in this show period was during the first wave when Raftalia and Naofumi are defending the village of loot. There's a shot where Nalfami defends as Raftalia attacks, and it has them come in and out of the frame dodging attacks. It was just great choreography, and I wish there was more scenes like that in the series. And it perfectly captured the idea of Raftalia's the sword, is the shield. Just like a sword and shield, they can stand on their own, but they work so much better together. The battle with the new demonstrated, though Raftalia and Philo are powerful, they are young and inexperienced. They rush in with those strategy and it bites them in the ass more than once. Cut to Philo getting swallowed whole by a dragon. When I first watched The Rising of the Shield Hero, it was being released week to week. So during the battle against the Pope, I got really bored. I felt it dragged on and I just wasn't really interested in it. Watching it back now straight through, I find it's paced fine, but back then I was really unimpressed. Using the mana of the followers was cool, but like having the Pope be a villain was underwhelming he was not terrifying in the least he was an old man and the attack from the three heroes church in my opinion just was not set up well at all for me it just seemed to come out of left field as for the other villains if you can even call them that glass was shrouded in mystery had a unique weapon and wrecked that soul eater in one shot just showing her power and i was like okay this is our villain let's go but then the next time we see her it's just revealed that her and lark are fighting for their own world and it just made me sympathetic to them, like, they're not villains, they're just doing the same thing our heroes are. So, the show really had no villains, aside from mindless drone enemies, and there's no real big bad. I also realized at this point, me, was somewhat coming around to having faith in humanity again, but him trusting Lark and Teresa? Is it Teresa? Therese? Whatever her name is. The, the girl he made the bracelet for. That was absolute bullshit. He should have been way more skeptical of them, and not so surprised when they broke bad. The only nitpick I have for this series, and something I hope they explore in further seasons, is that the hero's parties. We see Spear, Hero, Sword, and Bow with all these party members, but we know nothing about them. I would like in like next seasons maybe do an episode where you follow the Bow hero, and he goes on some quest, and we get to see his party members and what they're capable of. I think that'd be interesting. Best girl, Waifu, and Harem. The best girl is Raftalia. We get to see her grow quite literally during the season. Her partnership with Naofumi mixed with her tragic backstory, the epicness of her getting revenge on the man who tortured her and her friends. The choice for best girl was just simple. Plus that bathing suit scene. A1. As far as waifu, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. I can't put Raftali as a waifu. Because she is literally a child in an adult body. No matter how you slice it, that's just weird. The idea of her and Naofumi as a couple, and we all know what's gonna happen, it's just unfavorable to me because the fact he mentions all the time she's like a daughter he literally raised her from childhood. I mean, like, my man, you changed her bedsheets when she peed the bed. Come on. And as far as for Harem, no. uh, There's no one in this series who I would put there. Final thoughts. The Rising of the Shield Hero is fantastic. Great character development, really diverse powers. I would recommend this series to anyone who would be willing to listen to me. If you haven't seen this, you should definitely put it on your watch list, especially because it's been greenlit not only for a second, but a third season as well, so there's going to be a lot more Shield Hero to come. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode, and hopefully we see you next week. Bye!